0: But before I go through, and you guys have probably heard this, right? You're Nav, so you know, like, the whole Bible, right? Okay. Um, These verses, if you start, if you just read the verse, and it's like, oh, teach these to your children, it sounds like it's telling you to sing Jesus loves the little children to your kids, and it sounds like you're going to be holding hands and walking through a field of wildflowers. So let me give you some context. Do you guys ever talk about context and the importance of context with a Bible verse? Okay. We need to talk about context because it kind of changes it. What was going on, if you back up, before you, if you just take a verse, just back up a couple chapters and see what was going on. Going back to like Deuteronomy 10, they were retelling the story of what happened back in Genesis 32 which is when the Israelites who were delivered out of Egypt, and they were delivered through an outpouring of miracles that had never been seen before. God in his amazing power and might and miraculous skill delivered them out of Egypt. And a lot of these people witnessed that deliverance. And then they got in the desert and they forgot. They forgot quickly The god that delivered them and they started whining um actually on our trip we had a chance to we were in jordan and we went through some of the parts that the israelites had gone through and part of it is still desert and and mountains Um, and side note they don't sell a lot of dr peppers around the world i'm a dr pepper drinker i didn't any other dr pepper drinkers okay You're going to heaven, you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven. Um, They don't have them all over the world, so we kept a blog and I actually tracked how many days since my last Dr. Pepper, okay? It was that big a deal.
1: It was rough sometimes.
0: And I mean sometimes we're talking months. Um, We were in Jordan at Petra. You guys heard of Petra? It's in the third Indiana Jones movie, the one where he gets saved. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Um, And they sold Dr. Pepper there, so it was obviously a gift from God. There's no question it was a gift from God. We spent a couple of days hiking around Jordan, and I started to understand the Israelites. I was like, why didn't we just stay in Egypt where there's Dr. Pepper? What are we doing out here? But
1: Actually, I spent two days hiking. Y'all were at the hotel day two.
0: Because they had Dr. Pepper. Did you miss that part of the story? Um, So anyways, the Israelites don't seem to remember all of the miracles they just witnessed. So much so that Moses was before God up on Mount Sinai doing some pretty important business. God was like giving him some notes. Do you guys remember that? What what did God write for him there? Ten Commandments, right? Well, while they're gone, the Israelites go to his brother. When I do this, I, I'm sorry, I teach middle school girls. So I need participation or you guys will like go on your phone or something. Um, So yeah so aaron who was think about this the second holiest man on the face of the earth is moses's brother aaron right so he's watching the flock moses goes up while he's up there the people were like oh we need a god sorry this is my jewish voice we need a god already we don't know what happened to your brother moses he disappeared we need like something to worship and we need a party we haven't had a party and aaron who Moses' brother was right there, saw all of the miracles that God did, said, okay, bring me all your gold, melts it down. The Bible says he fashioned it into a calf with a tool, okay? He carved it and made it look like a cow. Moses comes down and he sees all this revelry and, and the defilement and the idol worship. And he's like, dude, what's going on? I left you in charge. And Aaron, proves that he's not just a big idolater he's a big fat liar and he's like I, I don't know bro I they, they threw the golden a cow came out I don't know <laughs> that's really in the bible really <laughs> um that's what just happened right before God's telling us this and the, the story the relationship between Moses and God is so interesting because they're like both going back and forth going I we, there's no hope for them and then the other one would go no 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 there's hope there's hope I think parents probably do this sometimes with wayward children. There's no hope, no, no, stay with it, stay with it. We can't kill them, it's illegal. Um, This is kind of the conversation that Moses and and God had. And so God says, no, we're gonna do this again. And, And you remember Moses was so mad when he came down and saw all this nonsense. He broke the commandments, right? And then I've just got to show you one verse because it's to me it's one of the funniest verses in the Bible. I love when I see a characteristic of God that I have in myself because it gives me hope that I am created in the image of God. And for me, what resonates most with me is sarcasm. So when God is sarcastic, I'm like, yeah, that's my God.
1: Um, You pass that on to your son, too.
0: I know. I know. Sorry. Sorry, Maddie. (laughs) Um, Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 10. So Moses just broke the commandments and God... In you know, he spends another 40 days on his face praying to God, you know, let's don't kill him. And God goes, Okay, let's have a redo. So, chapter 10 of Deuteronomy at that time, the Lord said to me, This is Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and make up and come up to me on the mountain. Also, make a wooden chest. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. How funny is that? That was God, it just happened. Moses knew that the tablets were broken. Everybody knew, but God says to Moses, because they have that special relationship, you know, the tablets that you broke, I'll write them again. And he does. So at this time, the Israelites, and like I said, the ones who actually witnessed the miracles have already turned their back on God. Is there really any hope that a remnant of God's people is gonna survive. If the people who saw a river filled with frogs have already forgotten, is there really any hope for anyone else? If the people who saw a sea dry up and then horses and chariots go in and the sea come back and drown them, they saw that and they're already giving up on God, how in the world will their children and their children's children and i'm going to stop right there i'm going to break into a carrie job song how will they have any hope of knowing who the true god is this was not a oh wouldn't it be nice if we told our children about god this was a command that their very survival and eternity depended on okay this is what has to happen for God's people to continue to be God's people. Now let's read the verse. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Fix these words in your hearts and minds. Don't just read them every now and then because they sound good. Fix them. That means remember them. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Um, the, trans, the modern translation is make little verse packs and put them in your back pocket. Teach them to your children, not because it's a nice thing for kids to go to church, okay? because that has to happen for us to be able to survive as God's people. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. That's the command. Okay, now we're going to break down some sections of that and just kind of tell you our practical application of it. All right, be intentional. It's a good rule of life for anything you do. Be intentional, okay? Don't do anything halfway. If anything is worth doing, it's worth doing with passion. And the word of God is no exception. Teach them to your children, okay? That doesn't mean that you should just have a Christian home and hope that your kids pick up on it. I've heard people say that. I've heard people say, I don't want to force religion on my kids. So we're just going to try to have a Christian home and hopefully they'll pick up on it. Can I just tell you that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life? I mean, that's like saying, you know, I don't want to pressure my kids with hygiene stuff. So I'm just hoping they'll see that my breath is better than theirs. And they'll just start naturally brushing their teeth. Okay, kids need to be taught and they need to be taught the why's all right? You have to be intentional about it. And if you're discipling someone, there's a place for lifestyle evangelism, but it should accompany true discipleship. It's not going to get the job done on its own. We need to have more of a sense of urgency, All right.
1: you going to fit me in?
0: I, I think this would be a good spot.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. all, awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And there's a camera here. So when you, you move around you're...
0: um They should have a cameraman then.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, so so moving on to, to the next slide. Uh, not only to be in t- intentional, but we have to live our life on mission. And this is what I love doing. I mean, I I the, the, what Nita is talking about the type of things that, that that we do in our home, the type of conversations that we have in our home uh, are these types of conversations. We like to sit around, and we 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 actually have dinner. Uh, at night, and we sit around as a family and talk. I mean, we sit around and talk about our, our day, what's going on, you know, what's happening, you know, who, who do we meet, or who do we get an opportunity maybe to share with, or uh, at the beginning of the year, when I do my, my Bible reading, uh, my crazy Bible reading, as the family calls it, you know, where are you in the Bible, and, and, and you know, what particular chapter are you on, or, or what book are you on at that time, so, so we like to talk about these things, because we want to live our life on mission, you know, so when we, when we go out of the home, we're on mission, you know, but when we're in our home, we're on mission. When we're talking to people uh, on our telephone or texting or, or, or whatever app you're using to connect with people, we are on mission. And so when I think about my life on mission, I mean, I go back to one of the prototypical verses in the Bible, Matthew 28, 19, you know, where it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, or as you go, make disciples. As we're going through life, we should be making disciples. And so in the verse, Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 11. Uh, the verse that Nita read is says, "When you sit at home, <clears throat> and when you walk along the road." And I think she's got a a picture of uh, I'm not sure what picture she put. Okay, in, a, in our home, Tyler's a young lad there, so embarrass him a little bit. And, and there we are, you know, catching a fish. So, so we're at home, we're learning, you know, we're doing things, we're talking. But then the other picture is when we're in Israel, we're at Jerusalem, we go to the wailing wall. And, and so we go there and of course, hey, you've got to cover your head. So I figured my do-rag would work for me and nobody stopped me. And then we put a little cap uh, on, yarmulke on Tyler and we went up to the wailing wall to, to pray and just thinking of all the people that have been there and prayed before. So when we're at home and we're on the road, we're to be on mission. And I've got another verse that I put up here that I wanted to share, because how, you know, how do we do this? How, how do we live on mission? In what direction uh, may scripture give us to help us with this? And so look, um, it'll be up on the screen in Titus chapter two. I'm gonna read four or five verses here, beginning at verse 11. But I'm gonna tell you guys, we've got to be different. As Christians, we, we are called out of this world to live differently. Now we're in the world. We're around people that are unbelievers. Yeah, we're, we are uh, around people at school. And, and when we're talking to people at school, we are on mission. And I'm going to tell you, in my life, the, the big game changer for me was the grace of God. I didn't get saved until I was 18. I mean, I, I, really, I didn't really know much about church. It wasn't until I was 18, sitting in a church service, really for the first time, truly hearing the gospel, I responded to the gospel call. Heck, I didn't know what an invitation was. I didn't know what was going on. I, I just told uh, my cousin, and, and Anita was, was with us as well. I said, Hey, I need what that guy was talking about. I've never heard that before. I need to talk to somebody about Christ. And the grace of God was the game changer. So look at Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. See, that was the start. The grace of God was revealed to me and brought salvation. To my life, and then it says, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of who our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. And then in verse 15, he said, then you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. And with that, I put a few questions up there, just not for us to talk amongst ourselves and and answer the questions, but just to look at these questions. And simply this, does my life, does your life match what's truly inside of us? If we say that we possess Christ, Does the way that I'm living and the things that I'm doing and things I'm saying truly match what I say is inside of me? Then number two, our lives as Christians should look different. And as we disciple those in our home and or our sphere of influence, wherever that may be, let's remember at times that more is caught rather than taught. And that happened so much when Tyler and I would just hang out as he was growing up and doing things. He knows that I would go and I I would spend my Friday mornings with a men's group. Yeah, I'd spend another morning of the week with another men's group. If a man called at, you know, two in the morning and was in trouble and needed something, I'd get up and I would leave and I would go hang out with that man to to do whatever I had to do to help that particular brother through whatever struggle it was. You know, that is discipleship. And and those are the things that, that God had taught me that were important for me to do in my life. And then number three, these verses show us that God's grace saves us from our sins, but also saves us from ourselves. And we think about, we all have the potential and the propensity to do things that we shouldn't do. That's why if you look in these verses, it says we have the authority to correct them. I am thankful I've got people in my life that can look at me and say, hey, Clayton, you need to knock it off. And they see the blind spots that, are, that, that I don't see, and, and they have the authority. I've given them the authority and the right to speak into my life. And then number four, when we, we need people in our lives that have the permission to speak into or correct us. And this begins, I believe, in the home. Anita.
0: Okay, and I'm gonna cover the last phrase of our verse that we've been talking about. And this one actually took me a little bit longer to figure out. God kind of had to get my attention on this one. You know, it's talking about all the ways you should teach God's word to your children, or as I mentioned, anybody really that you're forming a discipleship relationship with. And then the last one, it says that when you're at home, when you're on the road, so it's it's talking about life throughout life, at work, at school, wherever you are, you should always be focused on teaching this to the people around you. But the last one is when you lie down and when you get up. And I didn't catch this until um, you know a few years down the road. <laughs> um, we homeschooled Tyler. I don't know if you guys know that, but we homeschooled him the whole way. They can so. tell. <laughs> Did the best. He, he plays guitar pretty well. So I didn't teach him that. Um, but okay, so I homeschooled Tyler and like any good Christian homeschool mom, one of his hey, classes. I, I
1: did a little bit. I, did, I taught him a few things in homeschooling.
0: You did? Yeah, you guys did the science stuff that making things blow up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of his subjects was Bible because that's what you do, right? If it, has anybody, did anybody, anybody here homeschooled? Whoa! All right, you'll always have a special relationship with your mom, people will think it's weird, it's not. Um, anybody here go to a Christian school? All right, well, okay, okay. In Christian school, you probably had a Bible class, right? Right, because that's what you do. So that's what I did with Tyler. Our schedule, we would go like 7.30 to 2.30. We actually had a schedule. I know people think homeschoolers don't actually have schedules. I'm type A, we had a schedule. So I would get up before it was time to wake Tyler up, and I would have my quiet time with the Lord. Because if you think about when you lie down, that's right before you go to sleep, and when you get up, those two times, what sort of things do people, do Christian people do when they first wake up or right before they go to bed? You go, what, baby? They go through the motions? Or you have your quiet time? Or maybe sometimes, maybe, some, maybe you do your Bible reading in the morning and at night you pray, right? So I think this is talking about those times. These are talking about your personal time with God. You're supposed to be teaching your children that. And I wasn't doing that. I was teaching him Bible. It was one of his subjects. But he wasn't seeing me grow as a disciple of Christ. I was his teacher. And I got to thinking, I'm sure this is an original thought, I'm sure this was God correcting me. If Bible is just another subject, like math and English, I don't know too many people, well actually I do, because I work in data and analytics, but most normal people do not do math problems for fun. Most normal people, do not diagram sentences for fun. In other words, you do what you have to do in school and then you're done. I was making Bible a subject. And my fear was, Tyler will learn what he needs to learn for the subject. And he'll hopefully make an A in it because his dad's a pastor and that'd be embarrassing if he didn't. Mm -hmm. But I'm not teaching him how to be a lifelong disciple of Christ. So I changed up some things. I held off on my quiet time until Tyler was up. And I made sure he, we went to the Christian bookstore and he picked out a Bible that he liked. I think he ended up with a camo one. Um, but he he needed to know that studying your Bible and praying doesn't happen during the school hours. So if for you guys who went to a Christian school and did your Bible and then you got done with that school so you don't have to do a Bible class, that's true. But now, if you haven't already started, you need your personal life with God. So discipling a child or anyone else means they get to see you walk with God. And and I'm telling you about the good stuff, the quiet, I let him watch me read my Bible, and we talk about it. And right, it's kind of funny, we do a read through the Bible plan, and me, Tyler, and and Maddie are all doing the same ones, so it's kind of cool that we're all reading through the same thing. So we, you, as you saw, I like when I see things funny in the Bible. <laughs> it's just that I, there are a lot of verses that are just funny to me. Um, you know, if you like sarcasm, like I do, yeah. You know, the Book of Job, when God finally talks, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I just, I just love it when God's like. Oh, really? I, I'm sorry. Were you there when I created the universe? Was that you standing there? I don't, I don't recall. It's great stuff, great stuff. Um, but people, if you're discipling someone, they've got to see your walk when it's good, but they also have to see the ugly stuff. They have to see repentance and forgiveness. And God showed us that there are times we need to ask our son for forgiveness. Do you know how hard that is for a parent? I mean, that like transfers a whole balance of power that you've got going when you start doing that. But it set us free because we wanted him to see what a Christian life really looks like, and it's messy. Okay, It's messy sometimes. It's not always pretty. We've known people who had an active church life, but there was no fruit of the Spirit in their home and their kids grew up and ran far away from God because what they saw modeled was not good. We didn't wanna have that. So we showed him the good, the bad, and the ugly. When we traveled around for 11 months, the three of us were within 20 feet of each other, 24 hours a day and lived to tell about it. So one thing we had to do because we were moving so quickly is we had to resolve issues quickly. You know, when you're at home And you get mad at your parents and you just go to your room and you kind of don't talk to them for a couple of days. (laughs) I'll let you know secret parents do that to their kids, too. Um, When we were traveling, we didn't have the luxury of being able to feel sorry for ourselves for a couple of days because we could miss an entire country. So we talked about issues.
1: Or he would still be in Cambodia. Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> we talked about issues. When we got our feelings hurt, we were honest. We asked for forgiveness. It didn't matter if it was me, to him, to Tyler, to me, all oh, we asked forgiveness and we learned how you show the love of God. And I just hope we've been back now seven years and, you know, we've kind of adapted to back home. But there's some things that I hold on to and learning how to relate and be honest and ask forgiveness and repent with my family is something that I'm really holding on to.
1: And with that, before we get to the questions, because I know we're out of time, and I don't mean to embarrass Tyler, but but I do, because he put that picture up there of me, uh, but, but one of the things I asked Tyler probably a couple of years ago, was I asked him, and, and, I, and I was dead serious, I said, son, is there anything that, that I've done to you as you've grown up as a child that in the future Satan could use to hinder your relationship with God? You know, because at, at the point where I am in my life now, I meet men all the time that that are in a men's group or some type of group with me, and they'll talk about something from their childhood that they went through a dark period, uh, maybe with their father or some type of issue there. And I said, "Man, I do not," and it scared me because I thought, "Oh my gosh, what have I what have I done to my son?" And, and so I asked him that that question, and and of course Tyler, yeah, you know, being no, it's, no, we're good. You know, and I was like, okay, well I guess I asked that, got it over with. But, but, but I, I would keep that in the back of my mind, young men. You know, one day when you have kids, one day when you're raising your child, uh, boy or girl doesn't matter, think about that and ask that question. Because don't, don't let anything that we do as parents, don't let anything that, that we do as, as disciple and others be a hindrance that Satan could use to get in between that person and God. I got a couple of questions.
0: Yeah, I think we got questions. Homework. I haven't been a teacher in a while. This is so much fun. Okay. What are some practical ways that you can model the commands of Deuteronomy eleven eighteen 18 through 19? We talked about how you're probably not going to tie any boxes of verses. And you might say, well, I don't have children yet. So that doesn't apply. This is a command in the Bible. They're, most commands are pretty universal. Think about how this can apply in your life and how practically speaking you can do some things. Okay, have you ever known someone whose walk didn't match their talk and how did that affect you? I mentioned to you that we know someone who's actually the family member, this family, um, who they were outgoing, very churchy, they were very strict with their kids, but there was no love of Christ in their home. And the effect, the way that affected those kids was they didn't want to have any part of it because they saw the hypocrisy in their parents. Maybe you have experienced that situation. Maybe your parents or somebody you know, or you went to a church where they didn't treat you well, um, and you've just, you have some negative feelings about the church or worse, God himself, because what you saw in people wasn't, the right walking of the talk that they were talking so talk about when you guys have a breakout talk about if you, if any of you guys want to share with each other experiences like that and it's also a reminder for all of us that you know we're not immune from hypocrisy either and we need to be careful and we need to always be real with folks or we can mess them up all right
1: awesome well, well thanks for listening to us uh, yeah. we're both unf grads so yeah. swoop or i don't know how you do the swoop thing so
0: they didn't have the sleep when we
1: were there. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't have anything when we were there, hardly. I heard they had a library, but I didn't have much use for that. Okay.
2: Bringing on back. Uh, I'm excited to continue to talk about family. Um, and so, oh, I, you know, that's your, that's your, we'll get there. We'll get there, don't worry, we'll get there. So you can leave it up. That's fine, no, you can leave it up there, that's fine. I think she looks hot in that picture anyway, so it works. Um, so. As the laws that have brought discipling their child, that like that perspective. Well, now we don't have any. We don't have any kids. We have a dog that doesn't really count. But Franklin, uh, he's famous. we I can I really considered bringing him tonight.
3: It would have been great. Well, Maybe he'll make pa- an appearance. a pastor of this
2: church here, so I didn't know the codes of all those kind of things. So I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna leave that. But um, we are gonna talk about the perspective of as people that have been discipled in their home and have not been discipled in their home and what that looks like now but first you guys gotta meet my wife so this is Maggie so now so they got to explain some of their pictures now you get to explain some of your own pictures why is there a question mark
3: well so Keith and I have been married for two years almost and I have yet to change my name not because I'm like against it or delaying it for any reason. I've just always found reasons that it was very inconvenient to do so. I think so, my grandma
2: cares more about it than I do. Yeah,
3: she I've always asks me if I've changed my name and I always have to say no. Um, but that's why in some places I'm Maggie Brown, some places I'm Maggie Messer. Sometimes I can be Maggie Brown Messer. So just switch everyone floats your boat.
2: Also, Holly, brass Tax, thanks. Uh, so w- what's going on in, in this picture?
3: Um so this was obviously on our wedding day. Um and I don't know if it's just my family or just like where I it's grew just up your family. in Orlando, but we love Polar Pops. It's just your family. Um <laughs> they're like so cheap. It's the best soda, comes in a styrofoam cup, it's the best. Anyone um, here
2: obsessed with ice? Oh, they also got the good ice. What? So I don't understand that. It's just frozen water. <laughs> okay. Anyways, keep going. Um
3: but yeah. This was on our wedding day. My dad, oh, we're having an ice debate, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, my dad went and got all of us, pretty much all the girls in the wedding party who wanted them polar pops because we just love polar pops. And so we say this is like a very brown family photo because everyone in my family loves a good polar pop. So why not have one on your wedding day? All
2: right. (laughs) What about this? Okay. So this I love this picture. This is my least favorite photo ever.
3: So, this is my little sister, and... Okay, so, you What's know... The age difference? Okay, we're only three years apart, but in this picture, it looks like a lot more. Um, so, did you guys, like, any of you grow up in, like, an old-school church where they had, like, a church directory, and you, like, had to go and, like, get your picture taken by this photographer at the church? So, that's what this was. Like, after we took our normal family photo, the guy, like, tried to get creative, and he told my sister to kiss my head, and my whole family was standing there looking very confused at one another, but... Uh, for some reason, my parents now have this picture and like to bring it up at random times. And it, it recently made an appearance in the family group chat. And I think that's where Keith got this from.
2: 100%, because I'd never seen this photo <laughs> until about two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, this is going on Nab night for sure. I'd already just like locked it in my brain. So, um, yes, that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um,
3: I'm unsure. I think it was like maybe late middle school, early high school.
2: I'm going to go with Maggie's in eighth. I'm going to go with Maggie's in ninth grade because her teeth are straight. And guys. No, that happened in sixth grade. Whatever. And then Sophie's like, I mean, she looks like she's in like second grade, but she's probably (laughs) in like fifth or something.
3: Yeah. So obviously I had hit puberty and she had not. So welcome to the Brown family.
2: You want to go first? You want me to go first? You'd start us off. Okay, that's fine. Well, um, as I mentioned a little bit, I was not raised like I wasn't discipled in my home. So, if you are from that perspective, that's okay. So, my a little bit of my background is uh, I was born in you know 1995. Woohoo! Go 20th century. But I have never met my dad. I don't know who he is, um, and I. Was raised by my grandparents from the time that I was six years old until I graduated high school. Um, My mom is a recovering meth addict. I was raised like my grandparents are are married, but they're ultimately just roommates. They have slept in a separate room for as long as I can remember. My grandpa is an alcoholic. Uh, Luckily, I was not abused verbally or physically growing up as a child. I actually love my grandparents a lot. Um, My grandpa taught me a lot about work ethic which it was one of the most important things that I think you you can learn but so this whole thing of discipleship was brand new to me when I got to college um sorry there's something really sticky on the table that was bothering me I'll just use my mask to cover it up it's fine so um
3: super sanitary
2: whatever uh and so that's 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 a a a tiny bit of of my growing up. And so I was raised, like my grandma would take me to church, but like, that was it. Like I never saw my grandma read her Bible. I never saw um, spiritual discussions happen in the home. Spiritual discussions didn't happen with me in the home. We didn't talk about the Sunday service, none of that. And so I'm really grateful for my church. Um, And I, if you talk to my first youth pastor, his name is Nathan Pittman, Pittman, he would tell you, He's like, Keith, I didn't think you were going to make it. He would say, he was, you know, as a sixth grader that had enough energy to just fill all of your bodies here standing, like he was like, you were just so annoying and your, ba- your family story was so crazy that we were just like, nah, eighth grade, he'll just, he'll just disappear. But here you are. Dan Walsh, who's coming to speak na- next week on dating, oof, zzz, oof. Um, he would tell you the same thing. He met me when I was in uh, seventh grade. And I hold that to be true. But because of the likes of Andy Shepard, of Jeff Moeller, whose birthday is tomorrow, Dan Walsh, um, those three people and more stepping in and not leaving me by the wayside, but engaging with me over and over again, even though I was incredibly annoying, love him so much for it, uh, has laid the groundwork for what or like what it looked like for me to step into college and to start engaging with the Navigators in discipleship. So that's where I'll hit pause. What about you? Yeah,
3: so my story is pretty opposite of Keith's. Um, I grew up in Orlando with like your pretty average family. Um, And I was definitely discipled in my home as a child. Um, I had parents who not only took me to church, but you know, taught me the Bible. I remember doing family devotions. I remember my mom leading small groups and Bible studies and discussions with like me and my friends that like, weren't even organized by the church. Um, and I think I ultimately just saw my parents live out what it meant to disciple. Um, and I didn't realize that's what it was at the time. You know, I just thought that it was normal and that's the way that families live their life. Um, but you know, I would come out in the morning and see my mom reading Bible study like at, on the couch while I was getting ready for school and things like that. Um, and I just—it was very intentional the way that they taught me the word and taught me the Bible, um, and so that really shaped the way that I viewed discipleship. Um, because coming into college, it wasn't a foreign concept to me. Um, it was something that I looked for, I longed for. Um, I was kind of confused sometimes when other people hadn't experienced that in some way or another, um, especially with their family. Um, and coming to college really like opened my eyes to that—how that was not the way that everybody grew up. Um, when I say all of those things and I love my family, but my family was not perfect. Um, my dad and I are like the same person. Um, we're both very stubborn. Um, very we love,
2: we love Craig. though. Yes. He's a, he's a great guy.
3: Yes. Um, and so that also taught me a lot about like conflict growing up. And I didn't, wouldn't say that we like always had the best relationship, um, because we were both so stubborn and we would, you know, push each other's buttons all the time. um, but in the end because i saw the way he was living his life and because i knew that you know he was loving me you know because of christ right even when i was a butthead to him and my sister um he still loved me um because of what jesus did um what he died on the cross and so yeah that was kind of my family and so you can imagine how that has been interesting in our marriage fun coming from two totally different family <laughs> situations and, um, expectations when it comes to family. Um, so what
2: are your expectations when it comes to family, I haven't asked her this question, so I'm excited.
3: Well, so, <laughs> so yeah, so my family, I would just say it's pretty easy to be around, right? Like it's very,
2: I love my in-laws. That's yeah. Just like
3: segment. it's just very easy for us to be with my family. We're all kind of on the same page about things. Um, And Keith's family is not that way. There's often a lot of tension, a lot of conflict. Um, You don't really know sometimes like who's happy with each other and who's fighting. Um, And so that's something that we have had to navigate together.
2: Somebody could be walking around with a grenade pin in their hand and you're just like, where did you put the grenade? Yeah. So that's been something that's... Of course, not literally, but you get what I'm saying.
3: Yeah. So that's been something that's been interesting for us to navigate is just the different ways that we view our family and the different ways that we engage with our family. Like my parents, pretty much know everything about my life. Always have, probably always will. Um, and Keith are a little more distant from him.
2: Yeah, coming to college, I—I uh, I mean, I grew up thirty. Probably, I could make it to my front door, not being reckless, in about thirty-eight minutes from this spot. And when I came to college, you get—is anyone here? Uh, Harry, everyone know. Not everyone, obviously. Some of you are homeschooled. I know Harry Potter's the devil. But um, Harry Potter fans, anyone? Show of hands. Great, great, great. So um, Harry viewed Hogwarts as his safe place, and he hated going home. That was was me when I came to college. I didn't want to go home. Uh, I wanted to stay at UNF as much as possible, as long as possible. And even when finals were over my freshman year, And I had three days of doing nothing on the college campus of UNF. My happy behind stayed right there in my dorm room. And I convinced every one of my friends to stay until the Friday at like two o'clock when we had to move out because I didn't want to go home. I had distanced myself so much from my family um, intentionally because I loved it here. This is where my life became. And that's why I've stayed. Probably a big reason why we've stayed in Jacksonville for so long. Um, The downfall of that, What as I look back, and I think of like most of my holidays that in in high school and even middle school were spent at my best friend's house. And I would, I literally woke up at his, his house one Christmas morning. Like I slept at his house Christmas Eve night, woke up there Christmas morning. I got more presents than him from his family that year at Christmas, which I still hold over his head to this day. Um, and like, even now, they ask him where I am at family events because I call his grandparents my grandparents and his aunts my aunts, his uncles my uncles. But what that caused to happen within me in terms of relating with people was I treated my friends like my family and my family like my friends. And so in terms of like, oh, Keith, you're gonna have a support raising job. Oh yeah, like everyone loves you. Great, you're gonna raise all the money, woohoo. But then I don't have any of my family members on my support team. Mainly because well, I 'm one of four believers in my entire family, but also I don't know my family, which is a downfall. Uh, now, that I, now I'm seeing that as I look back, you, know, as I want to talk to my little sisters about Jesus, and there's a little bit of resentment there from Madison, and Allie's 13, so she just loves everything about her older brother, which is great. But um, I have to work and I have to labor to establish those relationships now so that I can share the gospel with my family members. Whereas that's not always the, that's not the has been the case with you in terms of evangelism things. Right.
3: Yeah. And it's something that we've had to be really intentional about in our choices um, because there's, Lots of times when it's easier to spend time with my family or spend time with friends on holidays, Um, but we have to sit down and talk about and pray about like what is going to love Keith's family well, Um, because we know that we are some of the only believers in his family and we get the opportunity to minister to his mom and his sisters and his aunts and his uncles and all of those people to minister to them. We have to be around them. And that's not always comfortable for us, especially not for me, because it's very different than the way that I grew up. Um, but, you know, it's a choice that we have to make. Um, and it's it's a prayerful one. It's not one that we're making, you know, just willy-nilly, because, you know, it's fun to do that. Um, but we have to make hard choices based on his family. And, I mean, I'm super lucky that my parents understand that. Like, we get to share with them, like, hey, like, we are going to spend this holiday with Keith's family, you know to love them um and my parents like totally support that they pray with us for his family um they you know want to see them have a relationship with jesus
2: which leads well into our fellowship you know the navigator if you're looking at the wheel uh where's lindsay i know you had the wheel industry illustration that's why i'm pointing at you so uh the wheel illustration the fellowship spoke hebrews 10 24 and 25 Um, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It will be really easy for me just to consistently go to Orlando for every holiday. It's really hard for me to choose to stay in Jacksonville and go to Thanksgiving with my uncle who just got out of jail and my aunt who doesn't believe in. They're just all just like, did you hear that this person died and this person died? And I'm like, do you people ever talk about happy things? Like, what? But that's just their life's perspective. Like, that's all they see is just all of these bad things because they don't have the love of Christ in their life. Um, and so as I even think about how do I love my family well? There's a a very wise individual. His name is uh, Tom Yeakley. I think some of you might've heard him speak a couple weeks ago. So if you can put those five things up uh, for the slide. And so this is a list from Tom that says five things that all parents want to know about their kids. One, that you're happy. Two, that you are financially sustained. Three, Uh, that what you're doing like job-wise or activity-wise currently is socially acceptable because they want to brag about you to their friends. Uh, I don't remember number four. Four, that you still value their counsel. And five, um, that you appreciate the sacrifices that they made for you when they were growing up. And so one area that I have started to have seen myself or start to move forward in is like, I will go to my family believe or not, and ask them for counsel. Um, and especially for my mom who, I, my, my relationship with my mom is obviously a little weird, uh, but me and my mom are very similar and we get along great, which is nice. But there was a point in my, there was a six year period in my life where I only really saw my mom twice and talked to her a handful of times. So when, it, as a 24-year-old who's getting ready to make decisions and whatnot, and I go to her and I ask for her her thoughts on things, she feels really loved in that, and she feels really valued in that, because I'm she sees me as this you know extremely successful person that you know came out of her. But my goal in that is one yes to make her feel loved and valued, but also it creates conversation, it creates a relational network, and I can ask her about her faith. And all these intimate conversations that I want to have with her. Um, and so for, for some of you that have non-believing family members, I know it's challenging going home during the holidays because they don't value what you value. When we were getting married, this is, this is my mother's exact words. We were getting married and she was like, wait, y'all haven't had sex yet. And I said, no, she said, I would never buy a bike before trying or before at least riding it once. And I was like, that's just not how it works, mom. Um, and that was literally the conversation. But that, that's the expectation that exists really through the majority of my family in just that one area. Um, so while the values may be different, you are different in them. And I know that there's family hurts there. There's family hurts in Maggie's story that we still have to push into and push through. And they're worth the conversation that we should have with our family members. Um, So we have a couple. Do you have anything you want to add?
3: I would just say like support one another in that, because I know some of you come more from a family that looks like mine, right? Where it's easy to go home. It's fun to go home. You enjoy to be around them. And so you know, support your friends who don't have that same situation, you know, ask them how you can pray for them, how you can hold them accountable when you guys aren't together, because that's what they love here is the community that they have. And so, you know, think about like, how can you be intentional with keeping in touch with them over a break? You know, can you guys meet up? Can you just share, you know, hurts and things that are really going on? Um, but you're not in this alone. Um, you know, like it said in the verse that Keith talked about, um, let us consider how to stir up in one another love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. That goes for the people that you are loving and ministering to, but that also goes for your relationships with one another. You know, just because you will eventually leave here at some point doesn't mean that the relationships
2: also leave. The guys that stood by me on my wedding day, one stipulation I had is that I viewed them being there in 10 years because of what I was going to try and do in my family. And I knew that uh, I needed them around me. Some of them have stories like me. Some of them have stories like Maggie and some of them have stories in between. And so as they are now getting married, which is a lit time to be alive, um, it's great to be able to share with them
0: how we've, we've done this and fought for this. So